Hi, this is Bob Wells here, and welcome to Undercurrent Stories. This is the show where we hear about people's interests and uncover some fascinating stories at the same time. I hope you enjoy today's show. In today's show, I'm delighted to be joined by Mick Burgoyne. Mick is one half of the folk rock duo Fresh Maggots, which also features Lee Dolphin. From their first album in 1971, the duo released their second album, Waiting for the Sun, 50 years later. In fact, the duo hold the record for the longest break between recording first and second albums. Hello and welcome to the show, Mick. Hi, Bob. How are you? I'm, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's great to have you on. Um, so before we talk about Fresh Maggots, how's it been during this past very, very strange year for you? It has been a bit strange, hasn't it? Um, well, of course, we, we sort of started recording because uh, what happened was we started recording uh, the four tracks we were going to do an EP. Yeah. Um, and so that went well. We, we, we recorded the guide tracks and then I went to London. We did the electric guitar and the vocals and Lee did his acoustic guitar and that. And then it, it turned out better than we thought. So we thought, well, we'll add another five tracks and make it an album. Yeah. So, of course, we went back and recorded the guide tracks and then lockdown happened. Oh. Uh, we thought that was going to be it. Um, but fortunately, the guide tracks were pretty good. Um, and I've got recording equipment at home. Yeah. So I just carried on recording like the electric guitars and all the vocals and everything at home. Uh, and then, you know, pinging them over to London and, and all that. And then Nick, the record producer, was saying yes or no or no, do that again or what. And then some of them we did on Zoom when we like to do the vocals. Oh, we, yeah. we we set it up with two computers, so yeah. one was recording all my vocals, and the other was doing the Zoom thing, um, and so they could give me live feedback, yeah, which yeah. was usually something like you're getting a bit wurzel. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what it is, I tend if I, if I'm not thinking, I tend to roll my R's when I'm singing. Oh, uh, so I sound a bit like Wurzel Gummidge. So they say <laughs> you're getting a bit wurzel, so you have to <laughs> have to think about. It. And so of course. And then they all went off to Nick and he did his magic things that the record producers do, by which time the lockdown had lifted enough uh, that Lee could go to London and, and do his bit. Yeah. So it's been a bit uh, – but, you know, as far as work and all that, so I've retired, so, you know, it hasn't affected me that much. And I'm no, pretty, anti, pretty anti-social, so. <laughs> so. So actually the, the lockdown itself, um, you, you've adapted with technology. You managed to get the album out, which is – Managed really to get great. the album out, yeah. So, yeah, so before we talk about more about the story of, of Fresh Maggots, what about yourself? Could you just, you know, just tell us a little bit about your journey and how, how you got into music and what you've been doing over the last few years? Um, well, there was music in the family. Um, my dad had quite eclectic eclectic uh, musical taste. He liked bagpipe music, Mantovani, uh, uh, traditional jazz, what blues, that was the thing. He liked, oh, yeah. he, had, he had a good blues collection. My mum was into uh, opera, which wasn't quite so good. But um, so there was always music about. We always had a radio on. And then when I was about seven, six or seven, my dad made me a little, because you couldn't get transistor radios in them days. It was all valve. Uh, oh, but he made me a little what was called a cat's whisker radio. I don't know whether you know what they are. Um, I, I don't actually know. What well, it's just they? it's just a diode, um, a coil, a tuning yeah. condenser, and a great big long aerial, and the other end goes to earth, and it doesn't take batteries or anything, and it just powers a little earphone. But I could get Radio Luxembourg on it. Oh, that really? was the thing. See, I remember Radio Radio Luxembourg as a teenager having a little transistor radio and, and listening to it coming in and out. 
That's it. That's it. Fading in and out. That's, that's it. That's right. Yeah. And it always, it always, they used to have a thing called the power play. That's right. On yeah. the hour. And it was always a good song. And, and uh, it always seemed to fade out more then. Yes. Half of it. So, so this particular device you had, is that the same as a crystal set? Because I've heard of a crystal set. Yeah, crystal set. That's exactly oh, the same. Yeah. 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 My dad had one when I was a yeah. little kid. I remember that. Amazing things. Yeah. So then, um, when I was 12, uh, my parents bought me a guitar for Christmas. Yeah. A horrible thing, really. It was a K six string acoustic guitar K, flat. I remember K. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were best, were they? No. Um, but I mean, I learned to play. I don't tune a day book, but we, you know, book and oh, yeah. uh, um, learned to play. And then um, I, I found that a couple of friends in, in where I lived in Cornish Crescent, uh, they. One played bass and the other, uh, his dad played in a, in a dance band and he had this huge bass drum and he used to come around with a bass drum, a snare and a cymbal. And of course, the first song we ever played together was You Really Got Me by The Kinks. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and we used to play in my mum's kitchen because I'd put a pickup on this um, guitar and uh, I'd, I'd managed to, I found if I juggled my dad's tape recorder about, uh, I could use it as an amp. So we used to play this in the kitchen. That was all right till the neighbour knocked on the door uh, and said, look, you, 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 will you please stop that? You're vibrating my miniatures. Now, we thought she meant her kids. But what was actually <laughs> happening, she collected these little china ornaments and they were vibrating along the shelf and committing suicide off the end. So that, that we, so we then had to take all the gear up the youth club and practice uh, up there. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, I, you know, uh, we moved then to up to the other end of Dunedin. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I got a part-time job, a Saturday job, um, and saved up and bought my first sort of electric guitar uh, and, you know, just played and played and played. And then eventually um, uh, I put an advert up in the college, see if anybody wanted to form a group. And uh, two guys came around and one played uh, bass and the other played drums. Uh, and that was the start of African Grass. Right, so that the band, so okay, so the first band you had was African Grass, the real proper band, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what type of music did you play? That was all progressive rock and blues oh, stuff. Right. So this would this would be in the late sixties, would it? Yeah, late sixties, yeah. Uh, right, okay. Yeah, so we did quite well around all around and Eaton uh, yeah. and all that. I think the best gig probably was we played with Atomic Rooster. Did you? Yeah, and we, and we used to do one of Atomic Rooster's songs and, and Carl Palmer was there and we said, oh, you know, we, we do one of your songs, but obviously we won't do it tonight. And he said, no, no, do it. I want to hear it, you know. So that's that's Carl Palmer from Emerson, Lake and Palmer. Yeah, that's right. Because uh, he played drums for Atomic Rooster at the time. Yeah. And, um, and, and fair dues to the guy. He sat and watched the whole set and he came up and gave us tips and, and, and sort of, Ed, you know, the drummer, he said, I'm really embarrassed playing because he did a drum solo in front of you. He said, no, he said, no, it's not that long ago that I used to drag all my kit down the youth club to practice. And he was a really nice bloke, you know. Yeah, so. yeah. So it must have been quite interesting watching him listen to you playing his song. <laughs> yes, I know. Well, of course, at that time, they were just organ, bass and drums. They didn't actually have a guitar. Oh, right. In the band then, and then, but later on, then they got a guitarist as well. Yeah. So whether I influenced that, I don't know. Maybe you did. Yeah, <laughs> you never know. Maybe you could have joined them. Well, I wouldn't be where I am today, would no, I? No, exactly. Okay. <laughs> so, I shouldn't have suggested that. So, um, so the, the first band got going. Yeah, you were playing locally. Yeah, yeah. Supporting bands like Atomic Rooster. Yeah. What was, what was the next stage in the development? Of, uh, well, I mean, I uh, I knew Lee. I mean, we, we we didn't go to the same school, but we had mutual friends. So I got to know, know Lee. Uh, and, of course, I found that he played guitar. Yeah. 
And it turned out he lived literally just around the corner to me. So we just used to meet up and jam. Uh, uh, we'd know, you know, just played for hours together. So he played a good six string like you did? Yeah, six string acoustic guitar, mainly yeah. finger style. He's, he's more into the finger style acoustic sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Uh, was was I've always been a bit of a rocker, you know. So you were doing the solo, the lead solo. Maybe. Yes, yeah. Uh, um, but you know, it's just jamming. So we'd play blues together, and we'd do also. And and I don't really know how it happened, but it sort of morphed into actually writing songs. Wow. Uh, and we'd 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 write all these songs with no intention of doing anything with them. We were just doing it for the fun of it. Yeah. And I sort of, you know, as I say, added bits to it, and then we'd. Uh, you know, I wrote l- l- lyrics for them and, you know, we added like Glockenspiel and Tim Whistle and all that. We, we, uh, but, you know, with no intention of actually doing gigs or anything. No. Didn't so even enter our head. Were you the lyricist? Of the I'm the lyricist, yeah. Right, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we then, you know, I was still playing in the other band, you know, I was still playing with African Grass. Yeah. Um, and then what happened was there was a crowd of us went down to Linton and Lynmouth for a couple of weeks' holiday. Uh, myself and Lee took guitars down and we played uh, some of our songs to our friends down there, some of whom were in a band. Uh, and, and Dennis Burns, one of the members of the band, said, look, you know, we've got a gig on the Friday, we get back, come and play at our gig. Uh, we sort of, oh, I don't know about that, you know, no idea, didn't really want to do it. But anyway, they talked us into it. And then sort of a couple of days before the gig, uh, you know, we said, well, we haven't got a name, what we're going to call ourselves. And we said, well, it don't really matter. It's one gig. What's it matter? So I just happened to pick up the Dunedin Tribune and there was an advert at the top, Riley's Sports Shop, Fresh Maggots, always available. Um, so I said, oh, Fresh Maggots, I'll do. So, so you didn't think too, yeah, you didn't, the two of you didn't think too deeply about a name then? No, because it was, just, just no, like it was one gig. We thought, well, it's yeah. one gig. What's it matter? Yeah. Yeah. So we did the gig. And then uh, after the gig, another friend of ours came up, played another band and said, look, we've got a gig tomorrow night. Come and play at ours. So this was like, what was it, February 1970. Um, so this was like second gig in like two days. And um, after that gig, well, Lee, in fact, during that week, Lee had come down with a really bad case of shingles. Uh, and he said, look, I'll do the gig, but I'm going straight home afterwards. Yeah. So we did the gig. He went home. I went back because I had to take him home in the car. I went back to start packing up and the guy walks up and says, I'm from Sparta, Florida music group. I want you in London next Wednesday signing contracts. Um, Sorry, what, what, what um, music group was that? Sparta, Florida. They, they're a music publishing group. They deal, they yeah. dealt with people like the Moody Blues were on their books yes. and people like that. Yeah. Um, so we, so the Wednesday, so I then rushed around to Lee and said, you're not going to believe this, but uh, so the Wednesday after we were in London signing contracts, and then within, we then did, um, a, a, a Mike rang us up. He said, oh, well, I've got it. Mike Berry, this is, who was our manager then. Yeah. He said, uh, I've got you a gig in Coventry. I think it was at the Village Club, I think it was called. Yeah. Um, so, but he said, there might be some people coming to see you. So went and did this gig. And about part of the way through, there was a massive power cut. And, of course, we just carried on because most of the stuff we do was acoustic. So this was still just the two of you? You didn't yeah, have any just, bass or drums behind no, you? No, no. No, we never did have. Never did no. have. Right. Um, and then um, and I'd built a little battery-operated transistor amp just for tuning up in the dressing room and things. Yeah. Uh, so we brought that on stage. So we just carried on and did the set as normal because um, it was only a small club. Yeah. <clears throat> and then um, – um, Afterwards, we got a phone call on the Monday 
from Mike Bray said, oh, my God. He said, you really impressed these two guys that came to see you. The way you carried on just when the power went off, fantastic. You've got a record deal with RCA. Wow. And then that- within within – Two weeks after that, we were in the studio recording. So, what? How did it? How did you both feel then? You know, coming from some of obscurity, should we say? And then all of a sudden, you've got a record deal with RCA. How well, did a, you feel? A bit over, a bit overawed, really. It was all yeah. a bit, you know, because I mean, when you think we did the first gig, February, uh, nineteen seventy, yeah, and the album came out October seventy one. That's pretty good, isn't it? You know, that's yeah. ri- it was yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but you know, because it was all tape in them days, it was all done on. Uh, we recorded it at the Radio Luxembourg Studios in London. Did you? Yeah. And how long? How long did it take to record the album? Well, we did, only did it at weekends. Yeah. Uh, so we used to go down at the weekends. Um, Is this because you, you both had jobs? <laughs> no. Well, partly, but also because um, that's when the studio was available. Because during oh. the week they were doing stuff for Radio Luxembourg. Of course. Yeah. So you had to go to London every weekend. <laughs> yep. Yeah, which didn't didn't please the girlfriend, but there we go. Um, although she'd become my wife in the end, so that one. Oh, well. uh, um, so yeah, and so of course, all we did was was played what we played live. You know, we yeah. just did the songs as we'd already done them. They recorded them, you know, individually, and then all the strings and that were put on afterwards. And they, these were real strings, not not real strings. All real strings, all real strings. I, I yeah. must admit, um, Mick, listening to your album a couple of times, that there's some lovely, lovely string sounds on on, on it. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember the guy's name that did them, but he did some stuff for the Beatles. Yeah, um, yeah he did. St- yeah. So you know, we're in good company, sort of thing. Yeah, uh, uh, and then we started getting gigs all around the country, doing um, doing the university circuit, all that kind of thing, and then we yeah. did. Um, we did actually a live. We were the first band to play live on Radio Luxembourg for the Kid Jensen show. Yeah. Uh, and then we did a couple of shows for uh, live shows for the BBC, Radio One. Um, but the most, the, oh, the most terrifying one was normally when you did live for the radio, it usually meant singing along with the backing tracks or something like that. You know, they weren't yeah. completely live. But anyway, they said, oh, can you do this one live at the, the Aeolian Studios, Studio 2? And uh, we said, yeah, okay, yeah, we'll bring all the gear down. We set it all up. And and then the bloke said, right, we'll have to wait a bit. They're recording a classical piece in the next studio. And we thought, well, that's bad if you got bleed through from one studio to the next. <laughs> anyway, after a bit, the door opened and all, it only walked all these musicians with dicky bows on and yeah. carrying violins and cellos and sheet music. And we thought, oh, my word. That actually mean live strings and all. Oh wow! So so you played with the, with the orchestra? Yeah, we'd never played with an orchestra before. Never done so, anything like that. And they had a conductor. <laughs> so is there still a recording of that available? No, I wish there was. No, I, I we contacted the BBC, but they reckon it had been yeah. so deleted. Just before, just before we talk about a bit more about the um, evolution of the band, um, your music has been described as acid. Folk rock. Oh, would you, yeah. Would you agree with that? Not particularly, no. no. How, well, how would you, what would you describe your music as? For music, just music. I, I, I'm a great believer in there's only two types of music music you like and music you don't like. Yeah. I think all other genres are just, they're just labels. I, I don't understand, uh, you know, and, and the trouble is, you know, people say, oh, I like this, but I don't like this sort of music. Yeah. Well, if you say that, you're never going to listen to the other sort of music and you might be missing some really good stuff. That's a good point, but but I mean, listening to it, there, there is definitely a folky thing. Oh, definitely folk, yeah, definitely yeah, folky, yeah, yeah. and there's a bit of rock in there. But uh, uh, you know, because if 
all this psychedelic and all that sort of stuff. I, I, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't intentional. We didn't, no. you know, we just wrote songs. We, you know, we were 18 when we wrote them. So, yeah. you know. You didn't think too deeply about it. You just got on and. Just got on with it. Yeah. And, and I guess that was a very exciting time in the music. I mean, I, I sort of got into music in the early seventies and, and there was a lot of change going on from the, you know, the sixties and the Beatles and the Stones and yeah. then the glam rock and that. But you, I, I guess round about that time, it's been quite an exciting time in music. Yeah, pretty well. Oh, I mean, when you think you could go and see any band you wanted, you know, I mean, we used to go to, um, I don't know whether you know, Mother's Club in Erdington in Birmingham. We used to go there twice a week. And any band that you ever, you know, you've heard, you know, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, all of these bands, they, they, they used to play there when they were coming up. But of course, when they then became famous, they still went back there. You know, and you know, the thing is, you were sitting like three foot from the from the band. And yeah. I mean, we, you know, like went to see Rory Gallagher a couple of times, and you know, I took some photographs, and he says, "Oh, I'll have, I can have some copies of those." So the next time we saw him, we went into the dressing room, chatting with him, and give him these these photographs. Well, you don't yeah. do anything like that anymore, do you? It's not. No, it's it's, it's, it's not like different. that. You no, know, that's right. So going back to so you remember this orchestra doing this recording? This yes, must have, must have sounded fantastic. Well, it was nerve wracking. It really yeah. was. Oh, we didn't know whether we could do it because you know we thought we got to keep time with the conductor and all that. But fair dues, you know, we just played what we played normally and yeah. they you know and at the, at the end they were, well they had a coffee break and then they were all coming up saying oh we love the way you change from this to this and and giving us all these musical terms and all that blah, blah and lee looks at me and says you have any idea what they're talking about i said no i haven't a clue mate i haven't a clue and so they had they, they had the music actually <laughs> they had the sheet music oh, yeah okay. they had the sheet music everything and then at the end we did the last one we did was frustration with that long lead break with all the strings behind it yeah. um and at the end, one of the guys came up. He said, uh, "He said we weren't sure you were going to be able to play that." He says, "But that was note perfect. Well done." And I thought, "Well, one of half of me is thinking, well, that's really nice. I've got a professional classical musician complimenting me on my playing, and then the other half's thinking." Just because of my long-haired teen- teenager with electric guitar, you assumed I couldn't play, you know. So, <laughs> so that was that, yeah. all in all, all in all, it was it was good. So, what happened after that with the band then? Well, we we were saying we did a load of gigs here, there, and everywhere, and and I mean, you know, like the Marquee Club and places like that. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, Mike Berry was one of these people who. Uh, Mike, Mike Berry was the manager. Was the manager, yeah, and, and we worked for Sparta, Florida, and, and he he sort of you were flavour of the month for a few months, and then you know he he went on to something else. And, and to be honest, I got a bit fed up with the music industry. I, all the bull, not, I was going to say something there, but all the rubbish that you had to put up with, you know. And, and every week we were reading stuff in the music press, uh, and you know that you'd be reading quotes from you, and you think, well, I never said that. You know, yeah. I did. You know, and and, um, and and you know, and I, I had an interview with one music journalist in in London in a pub in Oxford Street, and he says to me, "Why do you sing in such an English accent?" And I said, "Well, because I'm English." Yeah. And because he thought that was absolutely fantastic, and he put it in the article, and I thought, "Oh, this is nonsense." And I think what really finished it was um, RCA uh, were really difficult about releasing the single; they didn't want to release it at all. Oh. Uh, and so, but they did because they were under contract too, uh, and they buried it basically. They didn't publish it at all. And then, and also, I read an article in a magazine about this um, fantastic record launch party with naked supermodels jumping into a pool and and all these famous people there. And I ring, I ring Mike. I said, 
this party, how come we weren't invited? It's our bloody record. He said, oh, it didn't happen. We just made it up. Oh, really? And I thought that just about sums up the music industry. So I, yeah. I lost interest and, um, you know, and then I moved to Wales in 1976. So, so that was the, that. So how long did the band, um, as it was, Fresh Maggots, once it had been discovered, how, how long did it go on for? Oh, I don't know, a couple of years, wasn't it? Two, oh, three right. years. Yeah. So you were doing it full time? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. 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 Well, what a great experience as a young man. Yes. <laughs> and as I say, we still get royalties for songs that we wrote then. You know, the people are still playing it. And uh, so we, we, so you, you went to Wales. Um, yeah. Were you aware of how popular your music's remained over the years? No. No, not really. Uh, well, Lee kept me informed because he, he follows it uh, more yeah. more than I does, yeah. do. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he'd say, oh, we're on another compilation. I'd, I'd buy the compilation, I'd have a look and, and all this. And then, um, but there's been a couple of compilations come out, which we're rather annoyed about uh, because uh, there was one came out 2018 or one in 19, I think it was where they, it says previously unreleased track. And I thought, yeah. well, how can they have previously unreleased track? They've all been released. So anyway, Lee says, it, it, you know, I said, it can't be us that got, got us mixed up with something else. He said, oh, the song was called What I Am. I said, we yeah. never wrote a song called What I Am. He says, I know. So anyway, um, he plays it. He said, it is us. And what it was, um, when Mike came and saw us, uh, and asked us to come and sign this record deal, this um, publishing contract on the Wednesday. He asked if, we'd, if there were any songs he hadn't heard. So yeah. we did a tape in my bedroom on an old reel-to-reel tape recorder, which is now in Coventry Music Museum, as it happens. Um, and uh, we'd sent this tape down to, to Mike Berry with, with all sorts of songs on. Um, and then... He's obviously still got this tape, and, and this record company have been releasing them as unreleased demos. Oh, right. So we're not very happy about that. No, I, I, I bet. I bet. So what's the story behind the reformation of the band, Nick? Well, um, nothing planned. No. <laughs> it was. I mean, me and, me and Lee have been mates all the time. I mean, it's not yeah. like, you know, there was no falling out or anything. No. Um, and then I, out of the blue, I got um, an email from a German psychedelic music magazine asking for an interview. Yeah. And uh, I said, yeah, okay, but how are we going to do it? And they said, well, we'll do it by email. So they sent me this long list of questions. And then Lee contacts me and says, have you had this big long list of questions? I went, oh, yeah. So anyway, we worked together on it because he remembered things I'd forgotten and vice yeah. versa. And yeah. we both ris- misremembered things. So at the end of it, we, you know, we'd, we'd come up with a half decent interview. Um, and at the bottom of the last one, I just put, he's still, re- still writing. Yeah. And he came back and he said, well, I've got this idea and that idea. And so I went up to Nuneaton uh, and I think we recorded three guitar tracks and I took them away and wrote lyrics for them and, you know, played about with them. And, he, oh, they're great. So, of course, then it, then, and it was though we'd never stopped writing. You know, it was three, you know, three became five and then, you know, we'd gone on and I think it's about 15 now. So it actually just, um, you didn't, it wasn't like a, there'd been a gap of 50 years almost. You just sort of carried on again with each other. We just carried on as though, as though we'd never stopped. Yeah, it was yeah. brilliant. That's, that's um, and then... Um, just, you know, sorry, sorry, Mitch. Just, just to go back to the, the. I mean, a German magazine got in contact with you. Yes. So, so this, this sort of says to me that the the music's popular right around the world. 
Yeah, our biggest uh, fan base in America. Is it? We still get played on the radio over in America. Yeah, yeah. I know it is, isn't it? Uh, and, and you know, when you look at when we get the royalty sheets, you know, it's sort of Spain, Brazil, America, Germany, all over the place. Yeah, it is quite amazing. Um, it's amazing. So, so you started writing again, and then yeah. you thought, well, we might as well do an album. Well, no, we we enough. thought, should we do any? What can we do with them? Because I mean, Lisa, you know, it'd be nice to get some recorded. Yeah. Um, but we didn't know how to go about it because I say when we did it before, it was on, it was all tape, and you know, and, and it was all down to record companies and that. We didn't know quite how to do it. Well, Lee then mentioned it to Nick to Dennis Burns, who was the guy that asked us to do the first gig we ever did. And he said, oh, I'll ask my son, Nick. I said, why? He said, well, he's a record producer. And so, fortunate. how fortunate. Yeah, so, of course, he spoke to Nick, and Nick said, oh, I'd love to do it. My dad used to play your record when I, when I was having a bath as a kid. <laughs> you know, so that's how it started, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I know. So the album came out last year, did it? It came out, um, yeah, uh, no, October, November last year, yeah. Wait, waiting yeah. for the sun. Waiting for the sun, yeah. So, so the songs are a continuation of the old the old album? Not really, no. This, I think this is what's disappointing to people. People expected a, a um, you know, something very similar to what we'd done before. But, I mean, you know, it's, as you say, it's, you know, 49, 50 years ago. Yeah. You know, we've moved on. Everything's yeah, so- moved on, hasn't it? So they're, they're songs that, you know, mean something to us now that's yeah. the thing yeah exactly um, and you know and when, when you look at when you look at the first two tracks that, that you know it's when i was young which is about you know your youth and then getting old and then the next yeah. one is i'm getting old you know it's it's so you're writing from the heart now as you were then but obviously things have changed since then yeah yeah a lot yeah and have you got any any plans to do any touring at all <sighs> never say never <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we we do get asked, and I don't know because it's logistics is problem is the problem because it leaves like 170 miles away. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure how we'd do it, but yeah, it'd be interesting. Uh, we'd need a drummer and a bass player, I suppose, now because the new album's got drums and bass on it and keyboards yeah. and things. So it is uh, something that you you would consider. I'd consider it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, have you done? I've done any. Oh, I suppose COVID. You haven't really done anything. No, you? this is the trouble. You know, we we we're waiting to write some more songs because we have toyed with the idea of doing a third album now. Oh, yeah. um, but I mean, we've got enough songs, but we want to, you know, write some more. Yeah. Um, but of course, we thought we'd wait until all the lockdowns finished so we can just we haven't got to mess about with it. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. I have to say it, it's it's fascinating. I mean, normally they, they, there's there's this thing in the industry, isn't there, about the second album? And how, I know. Yes, uh, I know. Fifty years is, is is an amazing feat. <laughs> in terms of music itself, yeah, contemporary music. I mean, things have changed an awful lot in fifty years. Yes, um, and I, I've seen that in my time. And um, so, what what do you think of today's music? It's music. I mean, I, I, I won't slag any. If anybody's producing music, I'm not going to slag them off. You know, yeah. the, the, fair dues to the guy. You know, whoever they are. Um, you know, as long as people are listening to it, as long as people get, you know, some kind of emotion from it and enjoy it, then as far as I'm concerned, it's valid. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, I don't sort of knock knock anybody. No. And what sort uh, of music are you listening to these days, Mick? Um. <sighs> I still listen to Radio One quite a lot, funny enough. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I was listening today, and um, was it uh, the nineteen seventy two? Their new one, uh, 
1975. Five, My Love, is it called? Or something like that, 1975, yeah. I mean, that's brilliant. Brilliant yeah. album. Yeah. Brilliant record, I mean, you know. There's some great stuff about the Foo Fighters' new one. Well, they're a bit formulaic, aren't they? Uh, yes, they... they uh... They've got a brand, haven't they? They've got a brand. Yes, <laughs> let's 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 flog it till it. Yeah, but yeah, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of music now. Um, you, you know, all right, they they just they they write a, write a line that sounds good and repeat it fifty times. You know, and then. Yeah. But the thing is, if it's dance music, that doesn't matter, does it? Because no one's no. when you're dancing, you're not listening to the lyrics, are you? You, no. you know, and. and- what advice could you give somebody? I mean, you've, you've obviously been in the music industry to, at a sort of fairly tender age. If, you, if there's somebody listening to this podcast who's in their teens and they want to, want to make it in the music industry, what sort of um, advice would you give them? Um, well, if, yeah, if you've got a product and you think you're good, then, yeah, then push it, stick at it. You know, you've got, you've got that many platforms now uh, to put your music on, you know, from you know, SoundCloud and Spotify and all these things. You've got loads of ways of getting your music out there um, and just do it. But what I would say is um, don't go into it thinking you're going to make a fortune and it's going to be easy because it's going to be hard work and your chances of making a fortune are slim. Yeah. You know, there's not that many that do. And to be honest, what I would say is once it stops being fun, stop. Yeah. Because if it's not fun, then what's the point of doing it? What other projects have you got coming up? Well, at the moment, I've just moved house. <laughs> so, oh, right. so, so you're, you've been absorbed moving house. We're, I've just moved house. Everything's still in boxes. I've got builders in, um, and the wife's got a list a mile long of things that need doing. Uh, and But fortunately, it means I'm going to have my own music room. Oh, wow, so yeah. after after next week, I'll be setting up my own music room. So that's going to make a big difference. Yeah, excellent. Mm-hmm. So where can people find out more about Fresh Maggots? Uh, they can uh, go to our website, um, freshmaggots.co.uk, uh, or we're on, we've got a Facebook page, Fresh Maggots on Facebook. Uh, but if you go to the website, all the links for all the – yeah, because we're on all the um, uh, download sites, Spotify, you know uh, – yeah. All of the iTunes, the lot. Well, uh, I'll put all those links on on the um, show notes. Yeah, lovely for listeners. Brilliant. Well, this has been a great conversation, Nick. Thanks ever so much for coming on. No problem. I'm glad you've enjoyed it. I thank certainly you. have. Right, thank you. It's been good. You have been listening to Undercurrent Stories. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to share the show link to your friends and family. And if you have 60 seconds, I will be most grateful if you would please rate and review. To hear more episodes, please subscribe to the show and visit undercurrentstories.com. If you leave your email in the link, we will notify you as soon as new episodes are released. Also, check out our social media links, details of which can be found on the show notes. Until next time, this is Bob Wells wishing you all the very best. 